What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Welcome to this week's Weekly Roundup. And I know, I know, you're devastated. It's been a bummer. There's been no other Seeking Excellence podcast episodes this week. And that was because we had some technical issues with this week's guest episode. And so that'll be released this coming week. And so we're doing some editing on those. And then I had this solo one that I did. It's pretty long on... um some American stuff on like American exceptionalism. So that's going to be coming out soon that I'm really excited to share, but that one also needed some pretty heavy editing because I just screwed it up a bunch. And, uh, but I still can get the roundup out. And so today is really exciting. So I'm recording this on Thursday, October 27th. And my wife, Emily and I are leaving this evening to fly to Detroit. And we are going to drive from Detroit to Ann Arbor, Michigan uh this evening which is outstanding so uh if you know anything about me as an individual you probably know that uh i'm a big university of michigan football fan mostly out of spite uh so i'll tell the story so i grew up in pennsylvania and going to catholic schools right so basically everybody i knew was uh, notre dame and penn state fans and then I had small pockets of my life. Like I have a, a cousin that I'm close with that is an Iowa fan. I have my god brother who I grew up very close to is a Wisconsin fan. And then my two best friends from grade school that I'm still friends with today are Michigan State and Ohio State fans respectively. And so me, as you've probably picked up on uh, throughout the time that you've listened to me uh, ramble, um, I... I I hate everyone. And so I wanted to I wanted to you know enjoy their misery as their teams lost more than just seeing them miserable. I wanted to be a part of it, right? Like I wanted to actively root against them. And so it was like I don't it's it's lame to like not have a team, right? You can't just cheer against everyone every week. So I was like what team plays all these teams? Add on to the fact that I'm 9, 10 years old at this point. And I'm like, they have really awesome helmets. So it was kind of a combination of those two things, my hatred for people and the awesomeness of their helmets that really uh, made me a Michigan fan. But literally, I mean, there's, I was going back to like old Facebook photos. I'm talking 10, 11, 12-year-old Nathan just loved Michigan. And so I'm coming up on like 20 years of being a Michigan fan, and I've seen them play at Penn State, but I have yet to go to the big house. And so this weekend, that changes so we got a super fun uh, weekend plan. We're going to be going to the Michigan State-Michigan game on Saturday night. Um, got great tickets uh, for that. Shout out to my father-in-law, John Harpole, who hooked us up with those. It was his wedding gift uh, to, to me, really, but to us. Um, and then uh, on Friday night, we're going to their hockey game. So I, I keep forgetting who the hockey team's playing. But if you follow college hockey at all, which most people don't, uh, Michigan lost to University of Denver, actually, in last year's national championship. So they also have a really strong hockey program. And they're also ranked in basketball this year. So it's a, it's a big year for U of M. Um, but I just can't wait to, like, the only thing that's a bummer about today is that, like, we go there, but we're going to get in at, like, 1 a.m. or something like that, 1230. So it'll be pretty late by the time we get to the airport or to the hotel and to Ann Arbor. But I just can't wait to wake up there tomorrow and, like, go to campus and just live my lifelong dream so that's really exciting 
So since I missed the solo episode this week, I figured I'd give you a little bit of solo episode thoughts. I had thought about doing this in an entirely like own episode for a while. And these are just some reflections I had a few weeks ago when I just had a really, just a really shitty morning, for lack of better terms. And I woke up and it was fairly chilly outside and it was trash day. And so it was trash day. So I had like a bunch of stuff to do. Um, And so like before 8 a.m. I had um, gathered like the stinky trash in the kitchen. I had scooped up dog poop in the backyard. I had uh, removed three mouse carcasses from the garage. Um, And there was something else. Oh, and then I think it was the same morning that Luna, uh, our dog, had this like bathroom situation and she needed like an emergency bath because there was all types of literal crap like on her backside and I had to do that and it was like a you remember that show uh Mike Rowe Dirty Jobs from back in the day it kind of felt like that right like it was kind of like a a dirty jobs day and I was like well that super sucked but there was something about it, and I've kind of felt this every time I've had, especially dealing with the mice, because I'm not a fan of uh, picking up dead uh, bodies of mice, turns out. Turns out I don't love that, um, which is new. It's news to me, right? Because I, I just, I had no experience. And, and it's one of those things that, you, you know, don't knock it till you try it. And so I, I, I try to live as an open-minded individual, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll enjoy it. Turns out I don't. Uh, I knew from my childhood I didn't really particularly enjoy scooping dog doo-doo in the backyard. So it was just a series of things that I'm not particularly fond of. But as I've been doing these things and like battling the mice in the garage, right? We just recently killed number 16. But we have also recently plugged all the holes in the garage. So things are looking up, right? We haven't seen one in there in a bit. And luckily, the garage is not attached to the house, so they never get in the house. I've never seen them in the house. Praise God, because then it would be like full, it would be nuclear war. It would be nuclear war, as where now it's more of like a we've transitioned from like a um, guerrilla warfare to now into more of a, a cold war type of a situation. I think. And I was just reflecting as I'm doing all these things, and I'm just like it. It, it felt to a certain extent it like arose a certain level of like masculinity and service you know, like that servanthood in me as well. Because it's like, you know, you know when you get married, right? Especially when you're the guy, typically um, you're like killing the spiders, right? And I have no problem killing spiders. I don't have any fear of spiders at all. Not a big snake guy. But some of these like dirtier jobs, these nastier things, right? Especially taking care of the exterior of the home, especially when you're talking about pests and you're talking about things that are kind of like attacking or trying to come in the home. That is undoubtedly my realm. And so it was really interesting because the day that I did all of these things, I actually listened to Father Mike's homily. And if you've listened to Father Mike recently, he talked about uh, uh, eulogy virtues versus some other type of something. I can't remember what he was juxtaposing it with. But that day he was talking about the Queen of England, recent passing. And what was really beautiful, he pointed out, and we've been watching The Crown recently since the Queen passed. I had never seen it before, but Emily loves it. And so we started watching The Crown a little bit. And one thing he pointed out that I think is this, uh, is very well portrayed in The Crown is how Queen Elizabeth, even though she didn't necessarily want it, 
Um, she did not only just fulfill her duty, but she actually did it with love. She strived to do it with excellence. And so he talks about these things that we have to do in our lives, like, um, are, are we actually fulfilling our duties, right? Even the ones that aren't as pretty or as cute or as fancy um, or as enjoyable, you know? And do we recognize what our duty is and and assess our uh, completion of the tasks, right? And so there's things that you have to do regularly. There's things that come up as they come up. And I think that's what we have to start to evaluate in our lives as we ask ourselves, am I really doing my daily duties? Am I doing, am I fulfilling my duties as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a son or a daughter or as a wife or a mother or as a coworker, right? Or as an employee, there's so many things. There's so many roles that we have that it can be very, it can be so difficult to really analyze and assess. Like, am I, you know, I, I have uh, relationships in my life, whether they be friendships or with family that kind of ebb and flow. And it's like, you have to assess for yourself and especially do this through prayer, not just through emotion and justification. Um, because I think we all err on, on either being way too hard on ourselves when it comes to this stuff, or we can be really easy on ourselves. And so you have to be mindful of that, right? But starting to assess those things and take time to really reflect, ideally weekly, but then also monthly, at least yearly, how am I doing with those things? And am I doing my duties? And not only am I doing them, but do I do I come back in after scooping the dog poop and uh, picking up the dead mice and like have an attitude, right? Am I angry about it? And am I thinking the whole time while I'm doing it, what my wife hasn't done or, you know what I mean? Making comparisons and counting the cost and all that kind of stuff. So really even like, that's what I think Father Mike really helped me with while I was doing those things is just thinking about where's my heart at, right? Um, you know, we recently had the gospel reading on a Sunday that said, uh, I, I, I was doing my, uh, I'm an unworthy servant, right? I was just doing what I was called or, or told to do. And how do we, man, how do you develop that mindset, right? That approach. A lot of it just comes out of gratitude, I think. When you have a grateful heart, you're going to be more likely to to be open to that kind of stuff and to be really thinking about um, just how blessed you are, right? To have a garage, even though it might have mice in it, like thinking about uh, how grateful I am for my dog, right? And this is part of the the deal when you have a dog is somebody has to clean up her poop, unfortunately, or you just have a bunch of poop in your backyard, which isn't that dope either. And so just being more grateful, right? And thinking about that stuff and, and being like, man, how can I be a better uh, husband? How can I be a better servant? How can I be a better leader? You know, and just really thinking about those things because it can uh, change the game for you. It can change the game for you as you approach those things in the right way. Uh, last thing I want to talk about with that is one of Father Mike's talks from way back in the day. I actually heard him say this first in person, then I've heard it a few times since then. And uh, he also wrote about it in the book that he did with the angels about uh, Jackie and Bobby Angel, not like St. Michael. All right, just for clarification. Uh, and he talks about basically what do you need to know to discern, right? And this is this is a big one. And this is what, this is something that I get kind of frustrated with people about because it's such a common thing, right? It's like a common struggle or battle that we have amongst people who might find themselves a little bit more lukewarm is people will often complain like, well, God never speaks to me. God never tells me what to do. It's so unclear. And you can't automatically from that judge somebody's heart, right? Because sometimes God is withholding 
for a certain time, uh, the answer to something, or, you know, he's, he's revealing it in his own way, in his own timing. But a lot of times I think there's either two things that happen when you're discerning something you don't know. One is you're getting an answer, but it's just not the answer you want. So you're acting like you didn't get an answer. And I think that's fairly common. God tells us something and we're like, yeah, he's not really answering me. And it's like, well, maybe he has, and you just don't like what the answer is. The second thing that I think happens pretty often is we violate one of these three things that Father Mike says we have to do in order to really know what God's calling us to do. Because Father Mike says, you know, when it comes to a decision, what college should you go to? Should you marry somebody or not? Um, Should you take this job? Should you move? Should you break up with somebody? Should you start grad school? Whatever it is, right? Especially these bigger decisions. You know, it might be a little bit less so if you're like asking the Lord to like pick your cereal for you in the morning. I'd imagine he's a little bit less urgent on those things and less clear because uh, he probably doesn't care too much. And uh, But with these big decisions, Father Mike's like, yo, it's always clear. Like the answer is always clear. And that's been my experience. You know, I, I feel like it is always clear as long as you're doing these three things. And so his three prerequisites, oh man, his three prerequisites for proper discernment are are you in a state of grace, right? So this means you have you do not have a, a mortal sin currently cutting you off literally from the life of the church, right? So your soul's not dead, right? This is mortal sin, so you're not, it's a deadly sin, right? So you're not um, sitting in mortal sin. The second is, did I pray today? These are the questions that he, it were really questions. Right, so am I in a state of grace? The second is, did I pray today, right? So do you have a daily prayer life? Are you regularly communicating with God? Because if you don't talk to God for four months and then you're like, God, make this clear for me. You don't even know what his voice sounds like anymore. So you forget that and it's not going to be clear. Then the third is, am I doing my daily duties? So this is where it kind of comes back to the duty thing. Because if I'm if I'm half-assing at my job currently and I'm discerning taking another job, like your, your perspective of your actual job is, is all off because you're not doing the things that you're called to do. You're not holding up your end of the bargain, right? If I'm not committing and doing the things that I commit to in my household, right? And that includes like the chores and tasks that Emily and I break up going into the week, as well as like, am I listening to and talking with my wife? Am I connecting with my wife, right? Like these these duties come down to a lot of things. There's tangibles and intangibles when it comes to that. And you generally just know, right? You kind of know if you have like a half-formed conscience, whether or not you're doing your daily duties or if you're shamming and just kind of getting by, right? Um, if you're just binge watching Netflix for three hours a day um, and you're never exercising or reading or praying or going to mass or doing these things, then you're not doing your daily duties. And so when you can answer yes to all three of those questions, almost always you're going to have clarity in your discernment. And so that's really important to know because I feel like people want to know, and it's just not complicated. People want to know, like, how can I know what God's calling me to? How can I know which way I should go, what decision I should make? And it's like the Lord's going to make it clear to you as long as you're doing these three things. Okay, so do them. So go to go to confession. I went to confession this morning, feeling great. Um, say your prayers every day, and and like make time to pray, not just saying your prayers, but like listen to God too. Um, and then do the shit you're supposed to do, and then you'll know what God's calling you to do. All right, so let's do some let's do some mother love and roundup, eh? Let's get some roundup going, boys. All right, so we've got uh, some fun little article here from the New York Times because some super cool stuff came out this week. Um, we found that uh, we're really bad at school. And so the caption of this New York Times post says, and I quote, 
U.S. students in most states and across almost all demographic groups have experienced troubling setbacks in both math and reading. According to an authoritative national exam released on Monday, offering the most definitive indictment yet of the pandemic's impact on millions of school children. And uh, a quote from the article, I guess, says, I want to be very clear, the results in today's nation's report card are appalling and unacceptable, said Miguel Cardona, the Secretary of Education. Now imagine, imagine this, imagine this, imagine you're so dumb, imagine you are so dumb that you think that for like a year and a half, maybe two years, you can put kids in masks or make them stay home and do online learning with schools and teachers who are unprepared to teach online. And then like two years later, you have the audacity, the audacity, the cojones to say this is appalling and unacceptable at the results that everybody, that everyone with more than 14 brain cells had the ability to predict right? So that's pretty crazy. And so here, let's look at these. So this is, uh, the percentages are proficient and above, right? And then the other percentage is basic and below. Fourth grade reading, 33% of the nation is proficient and above in fourth grade reading levels. Eighth grade reading levels, 31% of the nation is proficient and above with 69% being basic or below. Fourth grade math, 36%. Even worse, substantially worse, eighth grade math, 26%. It's awful. And you see certain, I mean, some states had it worse than others, but it's just, it's super, super bad. And so, I mean, it's just really sad to see that they put up a, a a handful of states from Louisiana to New York, Oklahoma, West Virginia, D.C. D.C.'s eighth grade math percentage is 16%. Think of how wild that is. And like and 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 do you think the mayor of DC is prioritizing anything regarding education at all? No. Absolutely not, right? Why would you? And then you see people in the comments, you need to pay teachers more. Everybody needs to pay teachers more. It's pretty amazing. And everybody says we need well, you lack funding in our schools, underpaid and overworked teachers. And I'm not saying that some pe- teachers don't deserve to be paid more. But it's just mind-blowing to me how always the solution, and I'm going to do more on this future down the line because education is a whole thing. But it's amazing to me how like school choice is never the solution. <clears throat> Breaking up teachers' unions is never the solution. It's just you need to fund them more. You need to pay teachers more and give them more money. We need more money going into the same shit that we're doing that clearly doesn't work. It's pretty incredible. Um. Yeah. And so let's go. Next thing. This is also a New York Times post. I thought it was just kind of fun. Uh, from four days ago, Marlene Anglehorn, who looks like a um, nice young man, but apparently is a woman. And in today's world, I don't know if this is a boy that's pretending to be a girl or if this is an actual woman. She's doing a great job. If her goal is to is to confuse me, she's crushing it. I wish I could let her know. Um, but she's the heir to a big fortune and she's calling for a structural change in how the ultra rich are taxed. So she co-founded a group called tax me now that has been campaigning for more than a year for tax policies that would redistribute the wealth of the rich. Her family made billions in the chemical and pharmaceutical industries. So that's some evil money right there. Most likely, 
Um, but pretty crazy. She says she's the product of un- an unequal society and said that Millionaires for Humanity, or she said that at a Millionaires for Humanity event in August, and she said, because otherwise I couldn't be born into multi-millions, just born, nothing else, um, if there was wealth taxation. Uh, and what did I appreciate about this? And I don't appreciate much about it, but what I do appreciate about it is that she's like being pretty honest, right? And so I think that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, she just became a billionaire like overnight, hasn't done shit with her life like most politicians. But, you know, she's like, hey, I should be taxed higher. I want to give more money to the government. And what I appreciate about that is you have all these leftists in Hollywood who could easily do that. They could fund a lot of the things that they complain about. Um, and, and leftists, I mean, in, in sports and all these things that complain about all these things and, and want higher taxes, you know, you see AOC tax the rich, but then they all hire accountants and they pay as little as they can in taxes, just like Jeff Bezos does and Walmart does and every major corporation. And so they all end up doing the same thing. So what I appreciate on, on a basic level is that this woman, uh, at least is trying to, to put her money where her mouth is. And so she's like, hey, I'll pay more taxes. And you can always do that. They never get mad at you paying more than uh, you want to. You can write donation checks to the government if you so wish, um, if you if you hate your money that much. This was another fun story. Speaking of uh, men who look like women and women who look like men, um, I'm pretty sure everybody saw this, but this article is from The Daily Citizen, and it was all over social media, that... Uh, quote-unquote transgender gender girl, Dylan Mulvaney, a.k.a. grown-ass man who identifies as a young girl, which is, I think I think it could be the definition of creepy. Um, in like a sane, in a sane world, right? It would be like the definition of creepy. Uh, he, he visited the White House this week to discuss trans rights. Now, one of the, like, sometimes my imagination gets going, and one thing I think would be really funny to do would be if you could black out the president's face and take the recording of their stupid ass interview and conversation that happened between president Biden and Dylan and take it back 20 years and show it to, to Senator Joe Biden and just watch it with him and just get a live reaction. I think if I could travel through time, that's like a classic icebreaker, right? I do youth ministry stuff and, and stuff with kids. There's like all these icebreaker questions. Um, and I've never known what to say. Of if you could time travel, we do a lot of icebreakers at work. If you could time travel and and you know and do something or meet someone, what would you do? I honestly, I think I found my answer. I I've never known what to say in those times, and now I do. Now I feel very confident that the one thing, other than like you know meeting Christ or Mary, like if, if religion's removed, right? I can't meet a saint. Um, then I I think I would go back and um. And, and show President Biden with it edited out for the first few minutes, this interview with a president in 20 years with this man who's dressed like a girl and just catch a live reaction of his uh, reaction to that and then show him at the end that it's him and tell him that he sucks at everything. Uh, that would be, that's my dream now. That's, that's why I'm championing um, time travel. And so he uh, goes here and he's been, he's been documenting basically every day of his quote-unquote transition um and he interviews the uh the president about do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming care was a question from dylan 
And then the president, of course, said, I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question, I just think it's wrong. President Biden went on to say, I mean, there's a lot of, sometimes they try to block you from being able to access certain medicines, being able to access certain procedures, and so on. None of that should be available. I mean, no state in my view. So I feel very strongly that you should be able to have a single solitary right, including use of gender identity bathrooms in public. And then, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty... Uh, Pretty interesting stuff, you know, from the president of the United States saying that, one, I mean, very unconstitutionally, very anti-founders vision of America, right? Like, states don't have any rights to vote on and decide any of these things, right? Because he now believes that it's the it's a it's a human right, an, an inalienable human human right for for kids. Uh, for teenagers, for adults even, to be able to just choose their gender and be mutilated, at, even if they're healthy, to cut up healthy organs, um, and all of that. So, yeah, really interesting um, and, and awful. And so this guy has 8.4 million followers on TikTok and 600,000 followers on Instagram. And one of the things that I've, I've said to people that I think is extraordinarily sad about it is he, he's he been a, a girl, a quote-unquote girl, for 200 and some days. And you have extremely intelligent high school girls, college girls, middle school girls who could have gone. And, and if, he, if, 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 Jackass, if Jackass Joe had this much time on his hands to, to waste with an interview, he could have interviewed one of them. Right. Or, or been interviewed by one of them and then like this cute kind of kids interview that would have been probably would have been probably the move as far as voting goes. You know, we're like we the midterms are upon us. And it this just shows kind of the blindness and the commitment to lunacy that exists on the radical left. And it also shows I mean, that's the definition, right, of seeing that Joe Biden is no longer like uh, like neutral. Right. He's no longer moderate at all or even pretending to be which is a hell of a strategy. And so going along on that same note, this was a uh, something that I got. It was a Harvard poll that the Daily Wireback stage talked about uh, two days ago. So if you, do, if you have time, I, I recommend going back to watch that backstage that they did. I think it was last night. So now two nights ago when you're listening to this. Um. But super cool. And they get into this great spot. Me and Emily and I actually watched it together where they talk about marriage and they talk about learning to like mend your, or, you know, combine lives and, and all the things that happen kind of with marriage. And um, it's awesome. And so uh, really, really good stuff. Really powerful talking about the, just the importance of marriage and all these different things. But one thing that I loved is they shared this Harvard poll and they shared it in a great graphic. I wish I could actually like share the graphic with you, but they asked voters, what are the top three most important issues for you? Then they asked voters, what are the top three most important issues to the GOP? And what are the top three most important issues to the Democratic Party? Right? So they asked voters to you, what are the top three most important issues? Then they asked, what do you think are the top three most important issues to the Republicans? And what do you think are the top three most important issues to the Democrats? 
this is wild. Voters said in this order, inflation, economy and jobs, and immigration. Those are what they listed as their top three things. When asked, what do you think are the top three most important things to the GOP, to the Republicans, they said immigration, inflation, economy, and jobs. So you'll notice that those are the same three things, right? Voters themselves said inflation, economy, and immigration. They said for uh, Republicans, immigration, inflation, and economy, right? So, I mean, they took number three and put it number one. It's the same top three, right? Just in a different order. For the Democrats, this is the funniest shit I've seen in a long time. For the Democrats, they said January 6th, women's rights and climate change. (laughs) January 6th, women's rights and climate change. It's hard to think of three less pressing issues than January 6th, women's rights in the United States of America in 2022 and climate change. That is absolutely wild. It's crazy that they didn't get not one of the three. Um, and then and then that this kind of feeds into exactly what I'm talking about. And, and this week, while you have this happening, what is Joe Biden doing? He's talking with man girl Dylan Mulvaney about uh, trans rights and um, how he supports the mutilation of kids. Because why not, he says. Why not do uh, experimental hormone blockers on a 13-year-old? Um, so that they'll be messed up for the rest of their lives. Why not do that, he says. He's like, oh, the economy's strong as hell. And I saw him tweeting some straight propaganda today um, about how he's like, some haters say that we're in a recession. He's And it's like, bro, reality and the numbers and definitions of words say we're in a recession. It's amazing how much, and, and they just get away with this misinformation, man. It's just crazy. Um, last thing I want to say is I talked about this a little bit last week, I think, but I, if, if you listen to this and you have any type of love for Kanye West, will you just stop? Will you, will you just, will you just stop? I don't understand. It's, it's so dumb. He deleted, he had this really grotesque post from like two days ago. Um, And now I see he's deleted it. Uh, He tweeted something, I forget what the graphic said, but the the caption was something like, I haven't gotten a supermodel, uh, I haven't had sex with a supermodel, let's say, but he used the P word um, in, in a year or something like that. And... The, the post was something stupid. And now he's deleted it. And his second post says love speech and says, I still love you. God still loves you. Money's not who I am. The people is who I am. And it's like, that's this is the stuff where if, like, if you hit your trailer to that, if you hit your wagon to this truck, you just got to be careful, man. And I think it's interesting to see what's kind of going on with Candace Owens and all this. And I understand people's hatred for canceling. But I, what I struggle with conservatives sometimes is you have this kind of back and forth of like, Oh, we hate cancel culture, but then oh, like we we do the same thing, right? Of like like boycott Disney, don't listen to Disney anymore, and then we see all these people like cutting ties with with Kanye, and we're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's cancel culture, and it's like, well, he's pretty off the rails, 
he's just such a wild card. That's why I'm like Christianity and conservatism can't afford to the pro-life movement for sure. Can't afford to hit your wagon to him because it just does incredible damage. It's really wild, but he he's continuing to just like go off the rails. He's nut. He's nuts. Uh, definitely pray for him. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today. My friends. I also want to just, since we've been doing this, I really enjoy it. Um, Let's just read the gospel for this week real quick. We'll go from Kanye to the gospel. Where else do you get that? Only on SE. You're welcome. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man. But he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what is lost. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Zacchaeus is a great reminder, and I hope you think about this this Sunday as we go into Mass. He's an incredible reminder that no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how far you've fallen away, no matter how hated you might be, no matter how many people might have a negative opinion of you, God's mercy is abundant. It is waiting for you, and He is eager to forgive you should you only present yourself for forgiveness and ask for it. And so again, I encourage you, go get yourself into a state of grace. Stop holding on to sin. Let go of that. Start assessing, are you doing your daily duties and make time for prayer each and every day? Doing those three things will change your life because you'll be able to hear God's voice. You'll know what to do in big decisions and small ones. Then you'll start to be uh, living that life of, of sainthood and of, of godliness. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Know of my prayers for you. Don't stop supporting Kanye. Uh, don't vote for Democrats or you're a crackhead. And uh, go to confession. God loves you. Fight hard. Be your best. God bless.